Olympic City and the home of Pikes Peak, this is the Automotive ADHD Show with Matt West. And here we are rocking it on the Automotive ADHD Show, heard around the world as a podcast and right here in Southern Colorado on the radio, AM 1460 and FM 101.1, The Answer in Colorado Springs and in the Wet Mountain Valley on 91.7 KLZR. Matt West here, hanging out with you, talking cars, a loaded show for you. I'm behind on topics for the week. I spent the entire week in Washington, D.C. doing work stuff, and now this is my chance to get caught up on car stuff. So so join me for the show today because I've got a lot of interesting things to talk about. Firstly, we're going to talk about a street takeover in my very own city it, that went awry, leaving several people hospitalized and some even perhaps critically hospitalized. And, and it, it just shows that street takeovers need to stop. We need to put an end to street takeovers. Um, and I mean, people are getting hurt. People are getting killed. I've talked about them before on the show, um, but perhaps not here uh, on the radio station at least recently, so we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about a new FTC, Federal Trade Commission, rule that hopefully will prevent people from being scammed at dealerships, and they estimate this new rule could save consumers $3.4 billion a year. Holy smokes! Now, I have not always been a fan of government regulation when it comes to the automobile industry. I, I think there's a lot of things that perhaps are overregulated, but this is a good example of government doing something useful with regulation and doing it with some restraint. They're not going overboard with it. And if anything, it protects consumers and protects consumer choice. So uh, you know what? It's an example of a good government regulation. And I know there's not always, there's not always good ones out there, especially with cars. But you know what? Because this is a good one, we're going to highlight it. We're going to show why this is good. We're going to talk about it. We're also going to talk about Honda uh, and how they have started leasing used cars now. This is interesting. This ties well into my discussion last week about leasing versus buying. I was answering a listener question. He asked if he should lease his next car, if he should buy his next car. I said he should buy his next car, uh, but we'll uh, we'll tie that into this. Now that there's a used lease option with uh, especially Honda, no less, which makes wonderful cars. Um, so we're going to talk about all of that. We're going to play some of your car sounds and more on this week's edition of the show. Now, last week, I had Jonathan Shaw, president of Hemmings, on the show. Oh, man, it was such a great show. I mean, really, if you missed the show, you can, you're, you're missing out, right? You're completely missing out. If you're like, what's he talking about? Well, you need to go to the podcast after this show. Go to the podcast tune in, listen to the entire show. It was a fantastic interview with Jonathan Shaw, and uh, we talked about the future of the collector car market. We talked about why companies like Hemmings are the front of that future. They're leading the charge on that, keeping collector cars alive for the next generation. It's really a wonderful uh, show, and Hemmings is doing some very cool things, so you need to go listen to that show. Speaking of the podcast, you can listen to this show anywhere in the world, wherever fine shows and you know mine are downloaded on the internet uh, spotify by the way if you're listening there give the show a rating six stars blow it up now i have to talk about this this is cool this is cool this is a great way to uh, open the open the show do you remember your first car i think we all 
remember our first car and we all have fond memories of our first car and um this this headline here hat tip from the uh, bbc here scottish teen uh saves money to buy an 85 year old car as his first car and he saved all of his money and um the uh, teenager in question is 19 year old Calum Grubb who lives in Scotland and Calum uh has is kind of He's, he's kind of unusual for a teenager. He doesn't spend his days on TikTok, on the internet, on social media. In fact, he said he was forced to have a laptop for college and he hated it. So when he decided to search for his uh, his first car, he uh, he went old school. And I mean, like my first car was old old school ish, I, I guess. Right. I, you know, so I had a 1988 uh, Toyota 4Runner. Um, and, uh, that was old school enough, right? No, no, that's, that's too new for Calum. That was way too new. You might be thinking, oh, uh, 1977 American Motors Hornet. I'm just listing off cars I've owned at this point, but, um, no, no, that's, that's still too new. Still too new. He went for a 1938 Austin 10 Cambridge. This is a beautiful, sleek car from the late 30s. I mean, picture any uh, beautiful car from the 1930s. This is black. It is it is gorgeous. And um, it is uh, not what you would expect a 19-year-old to be driving around. Um, by the way, uh, Caleb uh, said that uh, modern electronics are not his thing, saying, quote, um, <laughs> he is rubbish with technology. You'll have to interpret that with a Scottish accent, uh, obviously, but, um, but, uh, good for Calum here. This is something we need more of. This is something we need more of. Um, I mean, look, I've talked to people my age and younger. I fit into the millennial category here, but I've talked to, you know, the Gen Zers who are now at the point where they're buying their first cars and doing these things. And, uh, I know Gen Z gets a lot of, a lot of hate for a lot of things, uh, but, you know, one of the things that always breaks my heart is when I when I talk to someone who's maybe in their late teens, um, you know, or even, you know, just looking at their first car, their mid teens, you know, they're 15, 16 years old and they go, all I care about is something that's comfortable and I can jam out to my tunes in it. Um, and and that's to me, I mean, yes, that might be, you know, if if that's your priority with cars, I get it right. We all love cars for for different reasons, but there is so much to be had when it comes to um, when it comes to the joy of driving, and uh, and with that, it's just it, it's. I I think that your first car should be something fun and interesting. It doesn't. I'm not saying buy a sports car is your first car. I'm not saying that, but just something that that inspires you to love driving, inspires you know maybe the next generation of car enthusiasts as electric cars come along and as things are comfortable and fast and they have good sound systems, but they're also they also become boring as they you know when when you look in a world of EVs and everything is equally as fast. EVs are crazy fast, right? Everything is comfortable and the cars have no soul, there's no engine, there's no nothing. EVs are I like them. I like them for certain things. I've I've said that before. I'm not an EV hater. In fact, I would like to have at least one in my fleet somewhere, but they're in a way soulless compared to you know, you look at Caleb's uh 1938 Austin. I mean, that is a first car. Now, by the way, he's not going to be uh, beating any electric cars in any races with it, which is fine because that's not the point of the car. It's got a 11, <laughs> 1125cc engine. Top speed, by the way, 50 
miles per hour. And that's four-speed transmission. By the way, a four-speed transmission for 1938, that's pretty top end. I mean, look, here in America, we had two-speed transmissions. And then we had three speeds going all the way through the 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s, three-speed, three-speed, three-speed. Um uh, obviously in automatics, uh, you know, and even in manuals, you still had three-speed manuals. Then we had four-speed manuals. We, we got a little more advanced. But anyway, look, first car is, your first car is so important. I think your first car very much dictates the future of your car ownership, even as you grow older. So we'll we'll talk more on this. We're also going to talk about um, some other things you might be interested to hear. How Honda is leasing used cars now this is interesting we're gonna get to all of this and more right here on the automotive adhd show you're listening to it right here on the radio on am 1460 and fm 101.1 the answer Twas the night before christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring not even a mouse the children were nestled all snug in their beds while visions of turbos danced in their heads when out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. When what to my wondering eyes did appear but a Mark IV Supra with boost to hear. And a little old driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment he must be Saint Nick. And then in a twinkling I heard the tires screech, the prancing and pawing of each horsepower. Down the track Saint Nicholas came with a bound, a bundle of parts he had flung on his back. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work and filled all the stockings with speed parts and more, for the children would not have to return the core. He sprang to his Supra with tires to roast, and down the track he went making the most. With 40 pounds of boost on tap he tore, knowing the children would soon have more. Saying Merry Christmas from the Automotive ADHD Podcast. Ho, ho, horsepower. Alright, hey, we're rocking it here on the Automotive ADHD Show on AM 1460 and FM 101.1, The Answer. Matt West here, hanging out with you, talking cars. Those car sounds you heard were from Josh Maldonado, longtime listener of the show. Um, perhaps, am I allowed to pick favorites? Perhaps one of my favorite listeners because he has said so many car sounds in over, now what, the past like couple of years like if you're hearing this on the radio yeah this show might be newer to you but as a podcast we've I've been doing it for going on 2 years now and um Josh uh, sent that car sound in a while a while back that's an NSX a boosted NSX at the speed shop that he works at that tunes NSX is there an NSX specialty shop and uh, I pulled that one out of the vault he's probably hearing that sound now like whoa I wasn't expecting that but anyway um you know what it's been a while since uh since he sent some uh, sounds in Josh I, th I think we need some more boosted NSX noises uh let me know if you can uh, send those in on the uh, Facebook page facebook.com slash automotive ADHD by the way by the way um you can send car sounds in anybody can send car sounds into the show facebook.com slash automotive adhd you can uh, also write to me via email with those car sounds uh, matt at throttlewarrior.com is the email i pick from all the car sounds i get over the course of a month i pick one person at random to win some cool stuff by the way the uh, automotive adhd keychain which i will wave in front of the microphone there uh, it's a key tag, very handy for digging your keys out of your pocket. You get the Automotive ADHD sticker and a $25 parts store gift card. Also, 
I'm still holding up my offer from a few weeks ago. You may not remember. I offered to um, have anybody who, it doesn't even have to be a car sound. If you do a car sound imitation yourself, you know, <laughs> if you can uh, make some car noises, record yourself doing car noises, whatever you, whatever you would like to do with that, uh, I will just send you free stuff. Um, and, uh, I'm not even going to pick winners. Like if someone does it, no one's done it yet. That's why I'm bringing it up again. No one has, uh, mustered up the courage to, uh, do that in front of a, uh, national audience on the podcast and, you know, in front of tens of thousands of people on the radio. But, um, I, <laughs> I digress. That offer still stands. Come on. I need someone to do it. Somebody, uh, you would make my day if you did that. So, um, right before the break, I was talking about first cars um especially uh uh Caleb Grub uh, Grub rather and his uh, 1938 Austin and uh, I I wasn't planning on bringing this into the second segment but I was just thinking about what are some good first cars to buy what are what should your first car be right cuz you know I've got people young and old who listen to my show perhaps you're looking for your first car or perhaps you're a parent and you're figuring out what car you should buy your your teenager. Um, now, if you asked me when I was 16, I would have told you that a good first car would have been C6, C7 Corvette, you know, something like that. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe maybe uh, McLaren, you know, something. <laughs> but 16-year-old me um, had, well, while 16-year-old me had good taste in cars, uh, I had no uh, knowledge of how the market works and also why a 16-year-old shouldn't own like a, you know, 400 plus horsepower car. There's, there's reasons for that, but, um, you know, being a more mature person now, uh, slightly, maybe just a tiny bit more mature. Um, I, you know, there's, there's a couple of things you have some considerations to take in when you look at first cars. And, um, you know, I think as an automotive talk show host, I think that a first car should be something that gets you into cars, that gets you into being a car enthusiast. I feel like as cars get more boring, I said this in the last segment, cars get more boring. Yeah, they get faster, they get more comfy, but they lose soul. And who's like, how are we culturing uh, the next generation of car enthusiasts? How are we how are we doing that? Right. And um, so I think your first car should be something doesn't have to be expensive. If anything, the cheaper, the better. Um, but it should be something with some soul, some character to it. And, you know, something that is at least fun enough to drive that it'll get you hooked on driving, but not get you any tickets. Um, and I'm going to uh, flat out, I'm going to be completely unoriginal here. I'm, I'm going to be so unoriginal. I think any car enthusiast would recommend this. But Mazda Miata. Miatas are the solution to the world's problems. Uh, in fact, if we all drove Miatas, um, I'm sure all of the world's problems, all of the conflicts across the planet um, would come to an end if we all drove Miatas. Um, and that's just a fact. I mean, I, I don't have any anything to base this off of. Uh, I mean, we obviously haven't all started driving Miatas, but, but I know, I just know deep down that driving Miatas would solve all of the problems. They're cheap. All right, there's your cheap thing there. Uh, even new, they're fairly affordable, but used Miatas, yeah, the NA generation, the first-gen Miatas are starting to go up in price. You're not finding them for 500 bucks on Facebook Marketplace anymore. But nonetheless, the NB and the NC generation, the NC is kind of the unloved uh, generation of the Miata because it was a little bigger. It looks kind of weird. Great cars, though. I mean, I have seen, um, especially at autocross events, some of the 
fastest guys in their class are dudes with NC Miatas, no less. And they just learn their platform and they drive it well. And that is that is really to be commended, no less. Now, granted, we can't all have Miatas, unfortunately. You know, we, we live in a fallen world where we can't all drive Miatas all the time. And that is... Um, that is okay, because perhaps you live in a place where there's considerable amounts of winter. Yeah, just put snow tires on the Miata, obviously. But no, I mean, perhaps perhaps that's the case, that you either need more space, you need more than one passenger, um, you maybe live somewhere where the weather really is terrible all the time. There's some other options to look at. Um, if you're a parent, you know, your your big concern is probably safety. You want your kid driving a safe car. Um, and uh, to that end, I would say... A kind of an oddball thing here, but a wonderful first car is probably going to be um, something like a Volvo. Volvos, you know, if you're not into cars, you think Volvos, oh, Volvos are boring. Volvos are for professors and doctors and stuff. And you think, well, that's they're, they're European. They must be expensive. I don't know. Look, used Volvos, um, especially the P2 chassis Volvos, even some of the P3 chassis cars now, uh, generation cars, that spans from the early 2000s from with the P2s into the 2010s with the P3s. Um, they've depreciated really hard. Parts and maintenance really isn't that terrible on them. Um, and they're reasonably reliable. Um, the parts for them are really available. Uh, not only that, they're safe. They are really safe. Volvo, I believe, I don't know if they're still advertising this. I didn't look this up before the show, but for a while, and perhaps they still are, they advertise that there were no deaths in a Volvo car in the past, you know, decade or more. And, um, and someone could probably correct me on that, but, uh, but that's, that was one of their ad campaigns at one point that yes, people might have crashed Volvos. Maybe they were injured, but no one died. Volvos are incredibly safe. They win. I mean, the safest car has always been the safest number of cars have always been Volvos going back to the Volvo 240. Uh, I say, by the way, as someone who has a Volvo 240, I sometimes forget I have it cause it's such a great car and it just, it just works. But, um, that being the case, the 240, if you want to go old school, 240s are still cheap. They're going up in price, but they're still reasonably cheap. They're really safe. Most importantly, Volvo 240s are dirt cheap to work on. Everything on a 240 is really cheap. I've had people say, oh, you have a Volvo. That must be expensive. No, the red block, the engine <laughs> in the Volvo 240 is a tractor motor. You can get parts for it at any auto zone anywhere. They're just going to have any part you need, and it's going to be easy to work on. The engine bay is spacious and, and, and just easy to work on, especially your first car. You want your first car to be something you can learn to work on cars with, even if you don't plan to be a mechanic. Just having that basic knowledge, oil changes, tire rotations, things like that, changing your your serpentine belts, your things like that, right? Um, that is that is something that is, I think, very, very underappreciated with Volvo uh, 240s, especially. Again, people just assume, who don't know cars, just assume because it's a Volvo, it must be expensive. Now, granted, you go newer with the Volvos, you look at something like an S60 or something like that from the early 2000s, um, maybe a, uh, uh, you know, V70 or something, you know, you go for the wagon. Um, those are going to be harder to work on, right? They're modern, they're electronic, they got some weird Euro kind of design going on with them, but they're still reasonably affordable. They are fun. Those five-cylinder cars make a great noise as a car enthusiast. You don't think of Volvos being enthusiast cars, but they're fun to drive. Even my old 240, it's balanced. I mean, it has like 15 horsepower, but it's balanced. It feels good. It, it, look, 
Volvos make great cars uh, in general. Um, and used Volvos, I would argue, make for great first cars. And they make also for great second daily drivers. Even if it's not your first car, a Volvo makes for a wonderful daily driver. So um, I'm going to... I should probably get off my high horse with <laughs> with Volvos here and and stop uh you know uh, just gushing over them but I think for for first cars um they make a whole lot of sense. They make a tremendous amount of sense. And I'm I'm probably going to uh, OBD1 Kenobi's probably going to call me during the show here because I'm talking about Volvos. He's like the Volvo god by the way. So he's just going to know and <laughs> he's not even going to be listening to the radio. He's just going to know that I'm talking about Volvo 240s and among other things other volvos by the way enthusiast uh, for enthusiasts with manual transmissions you can get an s60 with a manual transmission and they're cool a p2 s60 manual transmission with the weird space ball shifter it's the weirdest looking thing they're wonderful cars though um and so you know i think you know if you weren't to to finish up this discussion because i've been talking about your first car for whatever or first cars in general for like 12 minutes now but um i think miata first if you can't do a Miata for various circumstances, um, any any Volvo is really going to be fine. A 240 is going to be great. If you go newer, an S60, the S60Rs are really cool and fast and fun, but they're also rare and expensive. I wouldn't look at one of those. Um, but also, uh, if you live somewhere where there's really tremendous snow, Volvos are still, most of the modern Volvos, at least, are all-wheel drive. So those are going to be your S60s and things. Those are going to be all-wheel drive. Um I guess if that still doesn't work for you and you want more room, um, I would say Jeep Wrangler. Well, that's not really room, but Jeep Cherokee, like an XJ Cherokee, um, that generation of Cherokee from the 90s up into the early 2000s. They are dead simple to work on. They're reasonably safe. It's no Volvo in safety, but I mean, they use the AMC straight sixes. Um, which are bulletproof, have been around for a bazillion years. I mean, you can't kill them. Um, that's another good choice for a first car. Hey, let me know what your first car was on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. Don't go anywhere. We're talking FTC rules and how they might save you money as a consumer. That's coming up here after the break on Automotive ADHD. Every day, thousands go without the ability to buy necessary and life-saving parts. Parts like turbos, coilovers, and wheels. I'm Steve, turbocharged BRZ. It doesn't run because I can play with my connecting rod through the hole in my block. Project cars sit unfinished, waiting for parts, collecting dust. My name is Todd, and I bought a rotary. It's okay, bro. We'll uh, swap it. But no more. You, yes, you, can make a difference. More information is available on the Automotive ADHD Facebook page. Facebook.com slash Automotive ADHD. Colorado Springs' number one car show. By default, this is Automotive ADHD. Is it minty and kind of brush my teeth with it? Yeah. Basically, you did a checkered flag bastard? Basically, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we don't think about things like that. No. Oh, man. You might have noticed that's not a car sound. I usually play car sounds, your car sounds, coming back from breaks, but... Uh, <laughs> I was clearing out some space on my uh, computer, and I found that sound clip from an interview I did with the Stig, Paul Gerard, one of the Stigs on Top Gear, old school, you know, British Top Gear, um, with Clarkson, Hammond, and May. I uh, had an opportunity, to, opportunity a few years ago to interview him 
um, before one of the hill climbs. And I mean, it was uh, it, 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 it wasn't my best interview, mostly because I asked him there. He was responding to the question I asked, which was, what kind of toothpaste do you use? Yeah, that's um, <laughs> he gave an honest answer. He gave an honest answer. So um, you you might be uh, you might be stomping up and down that you got to saying you got to meet the stig and you asked him what kind of toothpaste does he use? Yes, I did. That's exactly what I did. I didn't really talk about anything else. I mean, I've had interviews on this show with racing drivers, Jimmy Ford, for example. I've had Dai Yoshihara, Taka Aono. Uh, I've had these these wonderful, uh, wonderfully talented guys on. And then I get the stig on the show and I just kind of freeze up and I'm like, what kind of toothpaste do you use? <laughs> so anyway, that's the sort of quality you expect from this very fine radio program, which is also a podcast. Wherever fine shows in this one are downloaded. Don't miss a minute of this show, by the way. There's no excuse for missing a minute of this show because you can get it anytime. Yes, you're listening maybe on the radio, but you can listen to it any time of the day, whenever. Um, now, um, getting back on track here, the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission is responsible for regulating a number of uh, things regarding, well, trade, obviously, uh, here in the United States. And they have announced new rules, by the way, hat tip uh, Sebastian Blanco from Car and Driver saying, and, and he did a wonderful write up on this. And the FTC's new rule is designed to prevent car dealerships from scamming car shoppers. And you, you know, either you've had a bad car dealership experience or you know someone who has, uh, and that's just how it is. And there's, there are, there's wonderful car dealers out there. There really are wonderful car dealers out there. And I think a lot of them get a bad rap because there's so many bad ones too. And you know, you, you know how it goes, you know, there's, uh, uh, you know, scams in the sense of, well, you buy a car, but Hey, this isn't actually the price or the price is more, or you have to get these mandatory add-ons, um, you know, and that you, you may not be aware of it. You may not be aware of it until you're actually signing for the car. You may not be aware of it until you're financing, doing all of that stuff. And they're known as junk fees. Uh, they're known as junk fees. Um, and consumers have complained to the FTC for a long time about this, about bait and switch tactics that dealerships use, um, uh, junk fees, things like that. And this is a new rule called CARS, C-A-R-S. They always have to have a cool acronym. And CARS is um, CARS is basically, here's what it stands for, Combating Auto Retail Scam. CARS, cool how that works. Um, and again, it prevents dealers from misrepresenting prices. Um, and it looks out too, specifically for military service members who apparently, this is uh, maybe news to me as I was looking into this, uh, military guys uh, are often targeted by this, uh, presumably because especially with some of your younger enlisted guys, they got a bonus heading out of basic training, right? They got a fat stack of cash. They got their bonus. They want to go buy a car. They want to go buy a nice car, uh, usually a Mustang or a Dodge uh, Charger or Challenger. I'm trying to think. We got a lot of Air Force and Army uh, installations out here uh, in the spring. Specifically, we've got the Air Force Academy like five minutes up the road from me. Um, and then we've got uh, Peterson Air Force Base, Shriver Air Force Base. We've got NORAD, the Space Force, you know, station, basically, Space Command. We've got Space Command. Um, and then we've got Fort Carson, all in the same city. And that's not even including stuff in other parts of the state, right? And I'm just <laughs> I'm just thinking of who I see when I see younger servicemen uh, driving cars. It's, it's going to be like a Dodge Challenger. 
it's going to be a Mustang. Or wait, if they're Air Force, hear me out, Subaru WRX STI. It's like going to be a brand new WRX STI. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm off the mark on that, but I think that is what I see. I see Air Force like Air Force dudes specifically driving Subarus. But um, that being the case, uh, you know, I get it, right? I get why dealers might might see Air Force guys, well, not Air Force, sorry, I'm just picking on Air Force now, uh, might see military people, especially the younger enlisted guys. They, The dudes who are just out of basic, they're 19 years old, 18, 19, they got a fat stack of cash, they got their bonus, and they are... Uh, wanting to spend money on a on a newer car. They want to buy themselves something nice, but they may not know the most about financing, and they may not mo- know a lot about that. And, uh, I mean, when you look at finance companies, when they look at military people, um, military people are, I mean, obligated by law to be in the military for the duration of their, you know, enlistment or their commission if they're an officer or something, right? And as a result, you can get qualified, typically, I would think, for better loans as a military person because the, the lender is going to know that you're not going to flake out on that loan. It's not like you're just going to lose your job. You know, I mean, if you were to forcibly leave the military or, you know, go AWOL, as they say, there's a there's a lot there's a lot of repercussions to that. It's not just like you know, quitting a part-time job that you might have. So lenders look at that as, well, they're stable, they're going to pay their bills. They've got a guaranteed income, and they're locked into that. So I can understand why dealerships, lenders, might actually try to try to take advantage of uh, younger, inexperienced uh, servicemen. And this, again, uh, seeks to, uh, to, to basically what it's doing, what they do here. Um, here's how it works. They've got kind of four steps to this. Number one, prohibits misrepresentations about material information. So basically, it makes it illegal for a dealer to misrepresent certain topics of a car that would affect the consumer's buying or leasing choices. So deceptive claims about pricing, um, uh, financing, or add-ons, right? Uh, also require, requires dealers to clearly disco- disclose, slow down, read the words, here we go, clearly disclose the offering price, uh, the price that anyone can actually pay to get the car. So no back and forth of not telling you what the price is or not telling you what, uh, you know, what they'll sell it for, which, which happens. That happens, especially in the market as it is today with demand, with tons of cars selling clearly above MSRP. Um, that happens. And adding some of my commentary to this, when I was in college, I worked part-time as a car salesman for a few months. I really hated the job. I didn't like it. I'm honestly a terrible car salesman. Being a car enthusiast, I thought would qualify me to be a good car salesman because I know about cars. That's not true. Being a car enthusiast doesn't mean I'm actually good at selling anything. I might know something about the cars. That doesn't matter when you're a car enthusiast or when you're a car salesman, I should say. It doesn't matter. Um, But the dealership I worked for, um, and I worked for a couple of them uh, that were all owned by the the same company, but I went between the different the different lots that they had. Um, we were actually told at the time to not tell customers about the price. So for one, they didn't list the price on the website. Um, for two, uh, if the customer asked, well, what's the price on this car? The correct response to that was, well, what's your monthly? What can you afford? What's your monthly payment? There was never any like we were basically forbidden from actually saying, oh, let me go look up the book on the car and see what it is. Oh, this Camry is uh, $18,000 used or whatever. You know, if it was a CPO car or a used car, we sold used and new at the dealership that I worked at. But um, yeah, we weren't supposed to talk about the price. So this would require dealers to clearly disclose that price, what anyone can walk up and pay to get that car now. Um, It also makes it illegal for for dealers to 
charge customers for add-ons that don't provide a benefit. So if it's some ambiguous add-on, what is this? What does this mean? Oh, that's the protection package. What, what are you adding with that? You're not undercoating the car. You're not doing paint protection on there. None of that. It forbids them from actually doing these kind of like fake packages or these fake value packages. Um, and it requires dealers to get consumers expressed informed consent before charging them for anything. So there's not supposed to be any more surprise things that when you sit down and you start filling out the paperwork there at the dealership, nothing is supposed to be a surprise, at least in theory. So these rules will take effect in summer of this year, July 30th, 2024. And this is an example of perhaps a government regulation actually protecting consumers and still protecting consumer choice. So, hey, we're going to talk about this and more as well as street takeovers and how they need to stop. That's right here after the break. Ladies and gentlemen, the Speed Council proudly presents Automotive ADHD, now on video. For better or for worse, subscribe to Automotive ADHD, now playing on YouTube and Rumble. There we go. Brandon's car sounds. Wrangler YJ, four liters straight six. Send those car sounds into the show. Facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. I was just talking about how Jeeps make good first cars. That's a good one right there. It's definitely a good one. Um, now, before the break, I was talking about uh, new rules with the FTC when it comes to uh, selling cars at dealerships. By the way, you're listening to the Automotive ADHD Show right here on AM 1460 and FM 101.1, The Answer. You may also be tuning in on 91.7 KLZR in the Wet Mountain Valley. Now, that being the case, I was talking about the new FTC rule, which basically it's called CARS, and it it's the, that's the acronym for it. That's the acronym, and it's the Combating Auto Retail Scam. Uh, and it, what it what it does again is it just basically is trying to prevent dealers from being scummy. That's that's <laughs> that's the Cliff Notes version of this, and I think it's a uh, it is a really really good way uh, to 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 look out for consumers. In in much of you know I. Uh, you know, I'm torn because I often say I don't like government involvement, government involvement, rather, when it comes to cars. Uh, I, I'm not a fan of that. I think the government overregulates the automotive industry in many ways. Look at the kill switch debate that I was talking about um, a few weeks ago. Kill switches, uh, mandatory government kill switches in cars, by the way, um, and mandatory government speed limiters and these other topics. But this is an example of a restrained government regulation saying, hey, we're looking out for consumers. We're not telling consumers how they have to spend their money. We're just saying that you as a car dealership can't be scummy. You have to tell people what they're paying for, how they're paying for it, essentially, and what they're, you know, where their money is going on the car, on fees, all of the above. And, uh, you know, I think there's a reason dealerships have as a whole, people have this stigma about dealerships, you know, and it's not good. There's great dealerships out there. There are there are plenty of great dealerships out there. And I think those guys take the fall for the bad dealerships sometimes because as consumers, we just see dealerships as a whole as being the problem. And they're not. They're absolutely not. And, uh, you know, and and essentially this this new rule from the FTC um, says they say even themselves that if you're conducting business 
uh, in a upstanding way. They said, quote, honest dealers. They said nothing should change for honest dealers. Um, and uh, they've even provided resources and things like that for dealers to look at when it comes to how to operate uh, in accordance to these rules, how to stay in line with them. So that's that's good. And by the way, uh, in the last segment, I was talking about how this also seeks to um, prevent, you know, uh, young servicemen just getting out of basic with a bunch of bonus cash and things like that from getting scammed by dealers. Um, I, I forgot to mention this one fact, which was the FTC says around 20 percent of service members, military service members have at least twenty thousand dollars in auto debt by the time they're 24, which is twice as much as the general population. So there you go. That's that's important to know. So anyway, I think this is a good thing. I think this is a very good thing. And, um, you know, when there is a sensible government rule here that makes sense and protects consumers and still protects, you know, honest dealerships, people conducting their business in an honest fashion, I don't see anything wrong with that. And that's why I wanted to highlight it on the show and call it out. I'll call out bad government policy. Likewise, I'll highlight some of the good stuff. We have to acknowledge the good while call out the bad. And this is on the side of good, in my opinion. So uh, there you go. Now, I've got a little bit of time. I, I got derailed on this show talking about a few things. So I think I'm going to save my topic uh, with Honda and how Honda is going to uh, start leasing uh, used cars used cars. Typically, a lease is for a new car. Typically, it is. Honda's going, nope, we're leasing used cars now because the market is nuts and new cars are really expensive. This is a great option. Um, I won't say if you should or shouldn't do it right now, but this is a good option if you were considering uh, a newer vehicle. Um, but I'm going to save that for later because there's a we'll talk about it next week. It's it there's a there's a topic that's really important that I got to get to because it happened in this very city here in Colorado Springs. Just uh, as of doing this radio show here on Sunday, this happened yesterday, Saturday. Um, and uh, and it was is tragic, absolutely tragic. Uh, and what happened is there were some younger folks at a car meet of some type or a street takeover. It's not clear exactly uh, what it was, but what happened is they decided to do some donuts in a, what is it? It looks like a GMC Traverse. It's an SUV while people were hanging out the windows. So people were hanging out all of the windows, grabbing onto the roof and they're doing donuts. And I see this a lot in videos from car takeovers, street takeovers. You might be familiar with that term. You might have heard about it on the news. It's where a bunch of uh, absolute degenerate, you know, not in a good. <laughs> I say degenerate jokingly a lot of times when I refer to my own car stuff. No, this is this is actually like depraved and terrible. I mean, if you participate in these street takeovers, you're part of the problem. This isn't good. And what they do is they go into intersections and they do donuts and they wreck cars. And it's all for social media. You can credit social media for being at least a a catalyst for this. Maybe social media isn't the problem as a whole. I think the problem is is cultural in some ways and has some has some roots elsewhere, but social media is definitely perpetuating it because these are kids who are going out and they're looking for clicks on TikTok, on on wherever they are. Well, it's mostly TikTok, but um and they're they're doing that and they're doing this crazy stuff and they're trying to get likes and it's just not good because what happened in this incident um this for my local Springs listeners. This happened off of South Circle and Monterey just after 10:05 uh, p.m. Uh, last night, and I've seen the video. Uh, 
Local news has not shown the video. They 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 did not. Uh, I saw the video posted in, uh, from a number of car groups out here on Facebook. One of my buddies actually sent it to me from one of those pages. Um, I won't. I will spare you the video itself uh, because what happens, is, and I'll just tell you. But what happens is the people are hanging out the windows of the cars, you know, as this person's driving around and trying to do donuts in a GMC. SUV, by the way, what are you doing? But they're doing that. And it looks like they go in the video to do a J turn. You back up real fast and you swing the front of the car around. Right. And um, well, with the additional weight of the people hanging out the windows, the car rolled over on top of the people who were hanging out the windows. Um, Now, as of right now on the show, um, you know, just a little before uh, seven o'clock here, Uh, on your Sunday. Uh, No one died as of now, but several people, five people with life-threatening injuries were uh, taken to the hospital and uh, some may be in critical condition. And, you know, that's one of the things I I hope every one of them survives uh, to tell the tale and maybe encourage others to uh, not engage in this sort of behavior. Uh, perhaps. Uh, I, I hope they do. But a lot of people, this is starting to make some national rounds on social media, too, just because of the nature of the video. Um, and, uh, and it's just one of those things. A lot of people are saying, well, yeah, that's what you get. Darwin Awards, right? That's what people are saying. And I understand where they're coming from. But we really need to have this. Inc- we need to encourage people not to do this. We need more uh, outlets for young people to go out and enjoy cars and do things that aren't going to get themselves killed. But also they need to understand that doing this for clicks is dumb. Come on. It is stupid. You need to, I'm fired up about this because it is dumb. And these street takeovers, you know, and this may not have been a whole takeover event, but there's a bunch of people around sliding cars around and people filming it and stuff. I get the desire. If you're a young person and you want to slide your car around in a parking lot, I get that, you know, but you need to not do it that way. And if you're going to do that, I'm not going to condone that. But if you're going to do it, you need to do it for the sake of getting better as a driver, not for social media clicks. Right. If you're going in a snowy parking lot and you're going to kind of slide the car around and feel what the car does, that is learning the car. That is learning yourself as a driver. That is good. Doing this stuff with people hanging out of your car for social media clicks is stupid. Stupid. So my heart goes out to the families of these people that are involved. I hope all the people that are uh, in the hospital with life threatening injuries manage to pull through. But look, these street takeovers, which, by the way, there's plenty of worse street takeovers than this are destructive. They're terrible. These aren't even half the time car events like these aren't even car people. These are people out just looking for destruction. And I think it is. Ah, man, I, I wish. I had more time to talk about this, uh, and I don't want to end the show on a downer, but it was such it's such an important thing to talk about. Now, hey, coming up next week, I've got a holiday special for you as we go into Christmas. Of course, you can listen to this show wherever fine shows and this one are downloaded. Also, give it a rating on Spotify. Of course, you're listening to Automotive ADHD right here on AM 1460 and FM 101.1, The Answer. I'll see you next week.